Welcome to Honestly Haunted. Welcome back to Honestly Haunted. We're your hosts, Erin Grogan and Abby Chowning. We hope you had a lovely and safe holiday season, and we are ringing in this new year by continuing our Haunted America tour. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> this week, we are heading to Louisiana. Now, Louisiana has a lot of haunted places to choose from, especially in the bigger cities. However, this week, we are heading to a small rural road in Gibbsland. Why, you may wonder? Because this is the haunted site of the Bonnie and Clyde ambush. I'm so excited. (laughs) So Bonnie and Clyde are legendary, as hopefully most of you would know. But hearing those names stirs up images of 30s gangsters scene, reckless romance, and car chases. Their legacy remains in TV movies and more. But their legacy is also said to literally haunt the small rural town long after the epic showdown that resulted in their death. So let's start with the story of Bonnie and Clyde, shall we? When we were researching this, I was really surprised at how much I actually didn't know about their story. You hear those names and you think you know, but actually reading it and getting all the facts is a totally different experience. So here are the facts. Bonnie Parker was born in 1910 in Rowena, Texas. Her father died when she was very young and she was raised by her mother with two siblings. Her family often struggled and Bonnie dropped out of high school in only her second year. Not only did she drop out, but she dropped out with her boyfriend, Roy Thornton, not Clyde, who she married. That's definitely not Clyde, who she married. (laughs) I just really want to stress that point. Her and Roy were married when she was only six days away from becoming 16 and... They never divorced. What? Yeah. They were divorced. Right? They were, they never divorced. So all of Bonnie's adult life, she was married to Roy. Not. Not Clyde. Clyde. What a twist. Yeah. Big twist. So so despite that, they weren't together very long, as we could understand. Roy was frequently arrested and their time apartment that they grew apart really quickly. Roy was actually in prison when Bonnie died and she was still wearing her wedding ring on that day. Uh, fun note too, I did read something and we, we didn't include it, but just, I just remembered it. Um, Roy also said when he found out that she died, he was like, oh, I'm glad she went that way. That's and, my girl. And that's my girl. <laughs> <laughs> like, glad she did that. They were, they were made for each other too. Bonnie, it's Bonnie and Roy, not Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> Bonnie and Roy. I'm trying to think which one sounds more kismet, but you know. Anyway, on to Clyde. Clyde Chestnut Barrow. Yes, his middle name was Chestnut. Cute. Very cute. (laughs) Was born in 1909 in a town southeast of Dallas. He had six siblings and he lived in an urban slum. The family literally lived under a wagon until they were able to eventually purchase a tent. A tent. Yeah. Okay, well. Yeah, like, very, we're talking very, very poor 1930s city. Ooh. Yeah. So, well, from the time that he was 17, Clyde began to have run-ins with the law. He started to rub stores, steal cars, and even more. 
He met Bonnie when she was 19 and he was 20 in 1930. They spent weeks together, but then Clyde was arrested for auto theft and was sent to prison. But that didn't stop them like it did for Bonnie and Roy. Uh, Bonnie actually smuggled a weapon into Clyde into prison to assist his escape that same year. And he was successful, but not for long and was sent back to prison shortly after. While he was in prison, Clyde was sexually assaulted and murdered the man who did it to him. It was known as his first murder. He also wanted to avoid labor in the fields, so he cut off two of his toes, and this led him to walking with a limp for the rest of his life. Yikes. Clyde was paroled in 1932, which was when their legacy really began. Clyde originally began a series of robberies in 1932 because he wanted money and weapons to launch a raid against East Him Prison. He very clearly had a vendetta against the system, which he viewed as abusive, which, I mean, it kind of was for him. his history. But in April of 1932, Bonnie was actually captured during a robbery, but she was let out of prison after only a few months. While she was in jail, Clyde committed a robbery in Hillsboro, where the store owner, J.N. Buker, was killed. In August of that year, Bonnie and Clyde opened fire on two officers who approached the couple drinking moonshine outside of a dance club in Oklahoma. The shots killed one, Deputy Eugene C. Moore, and gravely injured the other, Sheriff C.G. Maxwell. While Bonnie and Clyde are the two most famous of the gang, it's important to note that they were not the only criminals here, but rather part of a gang that had various other members too. W.D. Jones, a childhood friend of Clyde's, joined the gang, and the three of them together killed at least five people by the end of 1933. Clyde's brother Buck and Buck's wife Blanche also joined the gang in 1933, and this group of five moved into Joplin, Missouri, and here they had another shootout with law enforcers, killing Detective Harry L. McGinnis and Constable J.W. Harriman. The gang got away after this shootout, but they left behind a roll of film, which, when developed, had some of the most famous images of Bonnie and Clyde, including the one of Bonnie with a gun and a cigar hanging from her mouth. These photos define the image of these gangsters. Over the next couple of years, the gang had a series of events including robberies as far north as Minnesota and as far south as Texas. They even at times held hostages, though normally they released these hostages, albeit far from where they were taken. Nice. Unusually, they would give money to these released hostages to get home. Nice. Yeah, nice, nice, n- bad nice guys. of them, right? <laughs> nice. We took you all this way. It's the least we could do. <laughs> so the Barrow Gang, as they became known, were always in the headlines and became known for their cold-bloodedness, murders, and crimes. Their notoriety, however, began to make things difficult for them. It was harder to stay out of the spotlight, not get caught, and conduct their business. So the group began to fight amongst themselves. In a shootout in Oklahoma in July of 1933, Buck and Blanche were both injured. Buck had a bullet wound that exposed his brain, and Blanche was nearly blinded by glass fragments. Buck ended up dying shortly after, and Blanche was caught. Jones left Bonnie and Clyde in November of that year and was arrested in Dallas. His confessions led to murder warrants against Bonnie and Clyde. And in 1934, Bonnie and Clyde killed an officer in Grapevine, Texas. I was born near Grapevine, Texas, by the way. (laughs) And the story became a spectacle in the press. There were stories that Bonnie laughed at his bouncing head and the deceased fiance wore her wedding dress to the funeral. So it was a media frenzy. frenzy. And, And this media frenzy made people cry out for the capture of Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, Texas Ranger Captain Frank Hammer or Hamer studied the movements of Bonnie and Clyde and found a method to their madness. They seemed to skirt state lines in just the right way to be able to evade police. 
Now, with this information in hand, Texas officers set up an ambush in the Louisiana woods on the state highway 154 South. They waited through the day and night of May 22nd. And at approximately 9.15 a.m. May 23rd, 1934, the Ford V8 driven by Clyde approached. The officers had positioned one of Clyde's associates' trucks on the side of the road, and they anticipated correctly that Clyde would see the truck, know who it belonged to, and would pull off to speak to them. When this happened, officers quickly opened fire on the still-moving car. Clyde was killed instantly by a shot to the head, and officers heard Bonnie scream. The officers fired 130 rounds and emptied their weapons into the car. The coroner's report listed 17 bullets, bullet entrance wounds on Clyde and about 26 on Bonnie. Each of them had several headshots. Officers inspected the car and took out weapons and 15 license plates from various states. A crowd gathered quickly, and officers lost control of the scene. One woman cut locks of hair from Bonnie's head, and another man was stopped while trying to cut off Clyde's trigger finger. We're talking about, like, literally just deceased, bullet-addled bodies. I just keep, like, thank goodness they had the right car. Right? Like, that seems like... A yeah. Pretty mean anyway. Yeah. Nice, nice police work. <laughs> Obviously it paid off, but still. <laughs> so officers towed the car with the bodies still inside to a nearby furniture store slash funeral parlor and crowds arrived by the thousands to try and catch a part of the scene. Are you saying that you aren't used to the common furniture store slash funeral parlor? It seems an odd combo, <laughs> but I mean, if you're going to build a desk, why not build coffins? You know, while same you're thing. At it. Basically the same. <laughs> Everyone's going to need both eventually, so. Who? Deep. You're welcome. I'll be here all week. That was was deep. (laughs) So today, in the spot on the road where the ambush took place, a large stone commemorates the event. The area around this stone and the woods surrounding it have been the subject of some alleged hauntings. Visitors to the site report that in the photographs they took of the stone, mist, lights, and other strange anomalies would appear. Others have said they have seen ghostly figures of the duo themselves watching from the edge of the woods. Others report on the night of the full moon that sounds of gunfire can be heard, a ghostly reenactment of the deadly shootout. Most people who visit remark that the area around the stone is bright and full of life, but as they approach the stone itself, the atmosphere changes drastically. People suddenly stop hearing birds or any movement or life in the woods at all. Beyond just the quiet, people have felt that they were being watched closely while in this area. Near to this site, eight miles away in Gibsland, is the Bonnie and Clyde Ambush Museum. The site of this museum used to be a cafe, and is reportedly where Bonnie and Clyde had their very last meal. Two sandwiches. The museum keeps their story alive with a mix of original items, videos, and replica of the Ford V8 with bullet holes. The real Ford V8 is said to be haunted itself, and for a while went on tour to various locations for people to see. It's now on display in Whiskey Pete's Casino in Prim, Nevada, of all places. Yeah. Uh, The 2019 Netflix film The Highwaymen tells us the story of the officers who chased down and ultimately brought an end to the infamous couple. They filmed the ambush scene at the actual ambush site, and many of those who worked on the film said it felt particularly real and eerie to do so. Actually, Kevin Costner, who was one of the stars of the film, said it really affected me. Every time I did the scene and I'd see that car coming, I'd go, there was a day in 1934 when those two outlaws came around that bend. 40 seconds and they were gone. That haunted me a little bit, just thinking about that. The other star, Woody Harrelson, also said 
it was really kind of startling. It was like, man, what we're about to do actually happened. It put you in the mindset of what these guys were thinking. I remember as the car was coming, when we were back behind the hedge, the feeling was, oh my god, here they come. It just felt so real. So the lives of Bonnie and Clyde came to an end on that road in Louisiana. But did the story come to an end too? Or are there ghosts carrying on? Yeah, so Bonnie and Clyde. So, like, when we came up with the idea for this episode, I really was like, are we really going to find much? Because it's like, you don't associate ghost stories with Bonnie and Clyde. No, you, def- you definitely don't. You associate gangster 1930s, tales, murders. Yeah, definitely. Oh, rightly so. Yeah, and you kind of, you're painted with the picture, especially I think of Bonnie as being this, like adrenaline junkie who attaches herself to Clyde. Like right. she, she's kind of in, I think in some, some versions of her, she's like a perfect, like little prim girl who comes from privilege. And then she finds this bad boy and just like latches on. Which she is, didn't come from Which privilege. wasn't. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was one of the interesting things. I think when we were looking at the, at this story too, and looking more closely at the story of Bonnie and Clyde, I didn't realize that, this, the the picture we have of Bonnie is, like, not very accurate. First of all, the film reel that was developed became, like, the iconic images. Mm-hmm. But apparently, it really bothered Bonnie because she it was like, I don't smoke cigars. Like, she just yeah. posed for it. And one time, they let, they when they, one of their hostages was, like, an officer. And when they let him go, <clears throat> she told the officer, like, tell them I don't smoke cigars. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Like, that just really bothered her. And that's such, that's in such contrast to what I think we all think of as Bonnie. Well, it seems at a certain point with the notoriety that they had achieved that they, like, had images of themselves to protect, it seems like. And and also, maybe it's why they didn't kill hostages all that frequently after a certain point. Because it's like, we've already got the name for ourselves. We don't, I don't, like, really believe that they enjoyed killing people yeah like the the stories of like bonnie laughing when killing people apparently it's actually been very hard to prove that bonnie was the one who did much of or any of the killing herself like that that bonnie was likely not this like murderous psychotic person who we see in in the media and in tv and everything like that right yeah i i i guess honestly the most common one I've seen is there's a on the Simpsons they do a little short where Homer is Clyde and Marge is Bonnie and that's honestly the one I've seen the most frequently of the reenactment and it it is kind of like that that Bonnie is this like adrenaline junkie who is seeking murder and theft and stealing cars and gun shootouts and like that's the life for her and Clyde is just like all right if it it gets me lucky then all right which I think like putting on my little academic person hat for a minute. I, I'm pretty sure there's a lot to be said there about like the way that media portrays women and women sure. who have any kind of agency being portrayed as psychotic and there's and yeah. hysteria. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Involved only. And so the fact that there was this woman who, I mean, she, she was promiscuous. She was in a relationship with Clyde and she was married. married. Um, so, you know, like definitely she, she had her own life and her own morals, but I think because those were not of the norm that the media then really clung to that and, and twisted it and kind of amped it up Mm -hmm. to the extreme. Yeah. And I mean, 
their reign wasn't super long. No, right? it was it was much shorter than I thought it was. Yeah, which I think maybe to an extent because we we kind of loop them in with like maybe the mafia image of yes. the '30s, gangster life of the '30s. But those guys were like pretty well calculated and were able to continue business uh, for a long time, and they kind of were even they're even more reckless it seems like yeah they, they burned out they were you know? very reckless it seemed like and it seemed like they didn't really care like like they as they your notoriety got more and more it became harder for them to hide yeah. and and they didn't really change their ways so it it makes sense when we realize that it was a much shorter period of time but right. it's always it's also just fascinating how much their legacy has stuck for that short yeah. period of time. And made such a huge impression, at least on, on pop culture. And even, yeah. even like kind of, it's a, an expression kind of even in popular culture. Yeah. Of kind of, oh, they're just having kind of a Bonnie and Clyde relationship. And it's usually like for teenagers who... Having like a toxic yeah. relationship. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's kind of where it comes down to for this ambush site in terms of like people saying yeah. it's haunted. Because uh, you're right, you know, we couldn't find too many specific stories beyond just the general, this is, this is the type reported. of things that mm -hmm. people have reported, you know, feeling stuff, feeling like mm -hmm. they are being watched, seeing ghostly figures at the edge of the woods. Mm -hmm. um, and, and to me, I... I think it kind of goes back to our conversation of energy that we always yeah. talk about. Like we there's love, a lot we love of that stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of energy at that place where yeah. this intensely celebrity couple of infamous, you know, legacy mm -hmm. came to an end in a really, really, really brutal way. Yeah. 130 gunshots. They just emptied their clip. The yeah. other part of that, too, is in this reading, the fact that Bonnie was not quite as crazy and murderous as she mm -hmm. was let out to be makes it a little bit darker when you think about the yeah. fact that they were just so willing and able to just, like, empty their clips into her. That they had, they had become such a, a, th a threat. Probably... You know, you kind of wonder, it's like, yeah, you don't want crimes to be committed, but you also don't want, like, people to be rooting for right. them. Because then you get some some social unrest that is probably not yeah. great. If I were, imagine if I were a police officer, that that would be something you'd wish to avoid, maybe. Basically, don't make waves, people. Um, also, yeah. it seemed, like, Clyde was killed on the first shot, and they still <laughs> emptied their clips. Yeah. Yeah, we have to talk we talk about that more. It's like good thing that they were so certain that it was them. Right. I just I can't I can't believe that that was like I want to watch the Highwaymen. I haven't yes, watched it to yeah. see like what the strategy was behind that. Like how confident were they? Did they have visual confirmation that that yes? Well, that was they their waited car. for a whole day. Yeah. And yeah, so I've got to imagine that they couldn't. Even if they felt very confident about the path that they were going to be taking, the fact that they waited for so long makes me feel like they couldn't have been as certain as I would want to be to empty a clip into a car, yeah, into a moving have... vehicle. So it sounds like when he pulled up, he did stop to look at the truck. Yeah. So a... so he it was it seems like like a rolling stop rolling kind stop. of. So okay. so he was like kind of pulling up to the truck, and it was he was rolling into a stop. And that's when the fire happened. Okay. And I imagine, 
I mean, if the first shot killed him, mm-hmm. the car at that point probably just kind of didn't have control. Well, mm-hmm. I, I would say it probably, probably didn't stop. Yeah. yeah. And and so, I mean, perhaps they thought he was trying to get away, but... Yeah. Yeah. It just kept going. And, and thinking about the actors, like Woody Harrelson saying that he legitimately felt like Bonnie and Clyde were turning the corner when they were filming this. He was like, oh my God, here, it's, like, here they are. Here, here are come. Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. That to me, it, it kind of gives me chills a little bit because yeah. I think that that's a different type of, haunt, of haunting. Like yeah, yeah. the legacy of a story mm-hmm. kind of bringing you back to that place. Yeah. And it's all, it speaks to the power of like legend. Yeah. You know, Cause it's like, obviously most legends are based on some sort of nugget of truth. And this one definitely is uh, true, yeah. but they have become legend, American icon legend yeah. for sure. Yeah, I think about like kind of Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson as like actors, but they actually you know filmed in the location where the event happened. And I don't think that that's uncommon when based on true stories they right. do things you know filmed on location. And ultimately, when this that story ends in a pretty graphic, gruesome death. I wonder how many actors feel something, you know, from from reenactment yeah. in the locations where they're doing it. Especially because actors tend to be emotional creatures anyway and try yes. to, like, tap into those sorts of things. So it's like, maybe they stirred some spirits. Glass case of emotion. Acting. Theater. <laughs> children over here you'll have to you'll have to excuse us slash office fans our true loves oh man but yeah i i don't know i think of any any police officer who's about to catch a criminal and like that sensation and what that must be like like after Lots and lots of work. I mean, most of the time, like, you don't just, like, stumble upon a serial killer. Like, it's like, oh, he right. got arrested for a DUI, and here we go. We found yeah. out that he's murdered 20 people. You know, that doesn't usually happen. Occasionally. <laughs> yeah. Or the new stuff with Ancestry.com. Hey. Yeah. Have you guys heard Golden about that? State this is killer. a tangent. But, like, Aaron and I like true crime, and we're <laughs> invested in it enough. But, like, that people keep doing DNA tests, like and then they and find their out relatives that are getting caught for yeah. being killers. Yeah, they because they basically all these people who committed crimes in the 60s, 70s, and 80s before this stuff was available, they have all their DNA, but they couldn't match it to anybody in the system because they didn't have that technology. And now, like their niece or nephew will do like 23andMe, <laughs> ancestry.com, and, and, and it pings, and it's like a relative mm-hmm. in this family line is the one who did this, and yeah, yeah it's crazy. But yeah, I, you know, visiting the site, I think, you know, I think American, you know, the legend, an American legend of that magnitude would carry so much weight with it. So approaching it, I think you would come to the location with a heaviness, with a, I mean, respect's not the right word, but kind of a... Like a a magnitude. Yes. And I think... Significance. Yes. Yeah. I, I think... I see it a little bit more in the same way that any kind of monument. Yeah. You know, you approach like... If I approached the Grand Canyon, I would have like, oh, yeah, yeah. A, a, ma- a magnitude moment yeah. where you just kind of take it all in. Yeah. And, and the the enormity of mm-hmm. the place and the history and everything like that. And so I, I, I kind of see it in that way. And that, I, I mean, I personally, I would, I would love to hear more stories about actually seeing the ghosts of Bonnie and Clyde. Right. That would be 
amazing. Yeah. And super interesting. Yeah. And I, the, the whole idea of like that it's a nice day, birds are chirping, you hear the forest rustling for the wind and you step close and it's almost like you're engulfed in like a little silence, bubble a bubble of that, that feeling, that the intensity. The other thing is it's interesting that some people say that on full moons, they hear like the reenactment of the gunfire because the gunfire happened on a very clear, bright May morning. morning. So, like, birds were chirping and mm. animals were rustling in the woods. And then this horrific event happened. I think back to when we did uh, Cheeseman Park in Denver. Like, the idea of, like, hearing moaning through the, through the fog in the early morning. Yeah. For some reason, early morning fog sometimes, for me, is a little even scarier than nighttime. Like, I could see that. Like nighttime mist. Yeah, it's like eerie and and but night is so still. Mm. Like a lot of times in the morning, like things are coming active. to life. It's very active and I wonder you know, we in the spiritual world, like lots of things seem to happen at night, but it's like we don't always consider the things that happen during the day. That's and some true. of the most like insidious things like in horror films happen in the daytime because you're not expecting it and they just like they completely yeah. catch you off guard. And those are usually sometimes, at least in my opinion, like the scariest things that happen in like horror films in particular. But I mean, we we talked about midsummer on our ghostly gabs and that whole story. Half, most of that film was bright and sunny and yeah. and it gave like these these cheerful kind of like springtime vibes. It, yeah, and um and it was not correct. And it was it was pretty horrific. <laughs> Very inaccurate to <laughs> that trope. But yeah, I I don't know. I it's some place I feel would be I say this about every, every place where we do. I want to go visit, but yeah. like I do every <laughs> single one, so you can't. We want to visit everywhere, but I guess also as uh, as a Texan myself, like they're kind of synonymous with Texas. Yeah, lore. they're from Texas. Yeah, I mean they they became very infamous all over the country because their crimes were committed all over the country. Yeah, and through many states, mm-hmm. but uh, they. First of all, their the warrant for their arrests was because Jones basically like ratted them out when he got caught with his confession, and he got caught when they all went home to visit Texas, mm. and so that kind of started the end yeah. for them, and it's kind of poetic in a way. It is. We we kind of glanced over it, but I kind of want to go back to Clyde was like sexually assaulted in jail. Yeah, um, which and I mean I wouldn't even begin to claim like I understand like his headspace after that. Right. But I can't imagine it put him, especially that he like went back and murdered the guy who did it. It put him on a particularly healthy path. Maybe? Right. <laughs> I mean, like I, got, I can't exactly blame no, him no for, blame. for like having that vendetta against, against the system. Like clearly, yeah. I mean, we should definitely recognize this is like depression era. Mm-hmm. Clyde literally grew up in a tent with many siblings. Like, this is a totally different world than what I'm used to. Yeah. Than, you know, and not and me. I I was. I too. I too understand. Not me. But I was there. I too grew up in the depression. <laughs> I feel like Phoebe Buffet. Like just like <laughs> not you, sweetie. You're brand new. You're like, brand to new. <laughs> I remember what it was like to have previous lives. <laughs> not you, sweetie. You're brand new. Um no. <laughs> Anyway, this is my tangent. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, and this is, 
again, kind of what I keep coming back to is the part that the media played in their story was huge because they, in some ways, were just trying to survive. They, yeah. I, I mean, the, the first arrest for Clyde was because he didn't return a rental, rental car. These are not things that, I mean, you think of big time gangsters doing that's like a person trying to survive yeah he so the, on the story on that it was in 1926 he was arrested after he'd rented a car in dallas to go visit an estranged high school girlfriend the rental car agency had dropped the char charges but the incident still remained on his arrest record three weeks later he was arrested again alongside his older brother buck um, for possession of a truckload of stolen turkeys. What? See, like, that's just, that's food that's, and transportation. Yeah. And I mean, it's a bit of an escalation, but still. <laughs> uh, when I escalate, I hope that I escalate from car to multiple turkeys. Multiple turkeys. <laughs> multiple turkeys. It's, it's a gateway. It really is. Turkey, the gateway drug. <laughs> gateway. Gateway crime. <laughs> but I, but you know what I mean? That it's like, a lot of their early crimes come down to their place and position in life. And I feel like it's the media that built up this image of them being cold-blooded and uh, these intense gangsters out on the run yeah. and reckless. And and I'm not discounting what they did because they did kill people. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not in any way discounting that. I just think that a lot of their legacy was pumped up by the media and that perhaps things escalated further because of the media. Because I think, well, yeah. like... I, yeah. With Bonnie, I, I think that's the thing, is Bonnie, I think, is the difference maker here. Yeah. What Clyde did on his own was nothing of note. Like, there's guys yeah. doing this all across the country. Right. People trying to survive, living, like, leading to a life of crime. Fine. Like, there's notorious dudes who've done that all throughout history. But the fact that I think Bonnie was, like, this blonde, young, right. charismatic, all-American girl, it... I think the most of the story is because of Bonnie. Like, yeah, I don't think Clyde would have been Clyde without Bonnie. I I agree. And I think I think that because the media was so invested in it, um, that made it even that much more important yeah. to, peop to the law officers that they were like, we have to catch them and we have to do it quick and we have to play mm. do this huge manhunt and everything. And I, I think that added importance to it. Yeah. Um, well, I think also at the time, like, young women were viewed as impressionable right. objects, you know, to be molded. And it's like, Bonnie's not necessarily the best role model. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say that. I was like, that's not a life I would want for my daughter. But it's like, Fair. there's something about how she was painted and her image could be attractive. And she also, talking about the mold, and she, she also very much so did not fit the mold herself. Yeah. So she is a symbol of rebellion in multiple ways. Yeah. And she got famous. So, I mean, it's like, yeah. oh, like, these are the things you have to do to get your name out there. Like, I could, again, that's the whole making waves thing. But, but back to, like, the whole idea of the location being haunted. Um, we get on, it's easy to get off of a tangent with this. It's because okay. there's just so much story there's, to it. Is. Yeah, and we knew, it's like one of those things, like, everybody, like Aaron said, like, we all claim to know the story, but it's like, there's very little that we actually did. Like, did you know that Bonnie wrote pop poetry? 
Yeah, I didn't I, know that until yeah. we were doing this. I wonder. I, I kind of wonder if any of her stuff was ever like published. I'm sure you could probably Google probably. and find it. But now it's probably published, but not at the time. Um, and Clyde was also rejected from the Navy. I also didn't really know that most of the time it wasn't just the two of them that that there was there was a gang the barrow gang yeah which like i'm glad that they chose clyde's last name and not his middle name although i really would love to be a part of the chestnut gang it sounds like a bunch of young scraps from london going and robbing people's pockets i was thinking more like elvin and the chipmunks but um you know there's (laughs) sometimes people we think really differently (laughs) (laughs) spare us a penny governor (laughs) I can't. I'm not even gonna. gonna I'm I'm not even gonna attempt. You guys, she like leaned into the microphone like she was gonna attempt a chipmunk voice. She's like, I'm gonna. No, I'm not gonna. I'm I'm choosing not to. We'll get a. We'll get some helium and let her give it a try at some point. So. Okay. So after all of this very interesting discussion, I think we're ready for our verdict, which is honestly honestly not not haunted. haunted. Ah, yes. (laughs) Okay. So. For a little bit there, I wasn't sure if we were going to be on the same page or not. And I think <clears throat> us talking through it a little bit more yeah. got us to the same page. But I was like, is this going to be the one? This is going to be the one. I wondered too. Because, you know, obviously we'd both do research on our locations. Erin had done a little bit more on this one. So I'd be interested with like everything extra that she had found had maybe made her think a little differently. But for me, after kind of reading through everything, looking through everything, like all of the stuff that we found about Bonnie and Clyde, the extras is just kind of like, it's a location of significance. Yes. Whether it's haunted or not, I feel like, I, I just, I don't think it is. I feel like for this, I'm going to say that it has significance and it has magnitude and that's what people are feeling. Yeah. And unless and until we go yeah. and see Bonnie and Clyde in the woods, I'm going to say it's not haunted. Not haunted. Until we but go. if we go and we see Bonnie... With her cigarette, not cigar, because yeah. she really wants everyone to know yeah. she doesn't smoke cigars. <laughs> we believe you. We hear you, Bonnie. Then, then we can change our Be happy verdict. to change our mind. Yeah. But I think it'd be similar to going, you know, to, to any kind of monument that represents where someone had passed away. Oh, yeah. Or, or something like that. It's just like you, you come and it does have an... Uh, an aura of reverence and remembrance, and that is significant. And as humans, yeah. we feel those things. Um you know, but as a haunted location, I'm going to say no. I agree. And I think, you know, this is a really fun story because we got to delve really deep into a very articulated story that is well known, but also has a bunch of kind of nuggets of unknown things. Things missing, little holes. Um, But when it comes to actual haunting, I I just, I feel like there wasn't, there wasn't enough. There wasn't enough for me. There wasn't enough for me. Yeah. But let us know what you guys think. We're going to post, uh, obviously, this episode and information about it um, on our Instagram and Facebook. So you guys let us know what you think. Like us at Honestly Haunted on Instagram. You can visit us on Facebook slash Honestly Haunted. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon to get even more content if you want more content. Yes. We put out a... a, a a message, a few message. We put out like uh, uh, an Instagram post and Facebook post about our new Patreon prices for all of our tiers. So if you're interested, please check that out. Um, and also, like if you visited the Bonnie and Clyde location, Let us know. tell us yeah. what you think and, and your thoughts on that too. But we'll be back in two more weeks with more Honestly Haunted. <laughs> Thank you.
monster.